The Wiser Podcast. Conversations, public talks, and audio essays from the Witz Institute for Social and Economic Research. Hi, I'm Cizu Mbofu-Walsh, postdoctoral fellow at Wiser, and welcome to The Wiser Podcast. How far has democratic South Africa departed from its apartheid predecessor? And to what extent does South Africa's much-vaunted democratic constitution supersede patterns of apartheid oppression and injustice? In recent years, these and other questions have surged to the forefront of South Africa's political debate with a new velocity. In this podcast, I enter into dialogue with Tsepo Madlingozi, Director and Associate Professor at the Center for Applied Legal Studies. Through a close reading of the preamble to the South African Constitution, we contend that the preamble obscures past injustices, espouses a narrow conception of justice, and rests on unhelpful narratives of national healing, detached from redistributive justice. The preamble is a particularly useful lens through which to refract broader debates about the wisdom of South Africa's democratic transition, because it highlights the founding values of the Democratic Republic. This podcast is episode one of a two-part series. In the podcast which follows this, I explore some of the lingering questions which remain over this conversation and link them to a broader concept called the new apartheid that I'm developing to theorize continuities between South Africa's monstrous past and its disappointing present. So, Professor Madlingozi, uh, great to be able to speak to you and be in dialogue with you. I've been really fascinated about the preamble to the South African Constitution and really doing a close reading of the preamble as a window into the wider philosophical underpinning of the South African Constitution. And I think understanding the preamble gives us a great insight into the wider public debate over the Constitution, even though the preamble is often glossed over. So I think this question of a close reading of the preamble advances a critique of the Constitution in ways that just talking about the entire document perhaps can't. But I'm also interested in your views of looking closely at the preamble, looking closely at the values of the Constitution, as you've done in multiple writings, as a method and your approach to interrogating the Constitution's philosophical underpinnings. No, so this is a great way to start. Uh, as you say, there's a lot of critiques uh, of the Constitution. The preamble is where we should start. Because, see, the preambles do a number of things. One, they act as a window to society. It's supposed to be a mirror of society. It's supposed to be this society saying, this is who we are. That's why it starts with the word we, the people. So that declaration, that performative statement, is a statement that both establishes who we are, but also inaugurates a new society. But preambles are also good because they contain certain values. What values do we seek to uphold? What is the philosophy of this constitution? All constitutions have got an underlying spirit, an underlying ideology and philosophy. Look, 
constitutions are political documents, you know. Therefore, they will always have an underlying ideology, underlying spirit. And where do you find that? In the preamble. And then thirdly, of course, the preamble is not part of the constitution, but it's supposed to guide your interpretation of the constitution. Where there's confusion, let's go back to the preamble. What kind of a society did we seek to achieve? So preambles are very, very important, and we should not overlook uh, preambles. The preamble is a very important starting step in critiquing, not necessarily criticizing, in critiquing the constitution. Because as I said, it performs those four functions. First of all, it's a constitutive document. We, the people. You know, there's a debate in constitutionalism about what comes first. Is, is it the people that come first, or is it the constitution that comes first? What leads to what? Some people say a constitution is the one that establishes a society and a polity. Some people say, no, 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 you need a people first. But what happens when the people were never united, when there was never a nation? That's a problem. So that's why we have to say, we. Number two, preambles tell us about the spirit and the ideology of the constitution. Number three, of course, some of the values come through in the, in the preamble. And then lastly, as I said, the preamble is not part of the constitution, but it, can, it serves as an interpretive device where we are stuck. We go back to the preamble. What kind of society did we want to achieve? And that's where the numb of the issue comes from. Because the preamble circumscribes what the conflict was in the past, what the history is that we are talking about. So history is sub circumscribed in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the preamble. What is this history that we are coming from? And then secondly, it circumscribes the vision of where we want to go. And I think for me, those two things are very, very important in looking and critiquing the constitution. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's absolutely right. And, and I think explains why a close reading of the preamble becomes so important to a real constitutional critique because if you can start to pull apart the the historical vision espoused within the preamble if you can start to pull apart many of the assumptions which relate to what is said and what is not said you also gain insight into why the constitution might have failed in its later more detailed sections to reorient or uproot the persistent injustices of what I'm increasingly calling the new apartheid South Africa. It leads me to also further appreciation of, of our specific preamble and two aspects of, of our preamble. The first is precisely as you say, this way that the preamble tries to narrate South African history, tries to create a kind of end of history narrative a kind of triumphant narrative. It seems to me that the, the vision of South African history that is posited by the preamble contains a fundamental, and I would even suggest cowardly, refusal to name the injustices of South Africa's actual past. And in doing so, in framing the past in in 
terms that are so ambiguous that, in my view, they extend beyond the usual ambiguity of legal texts. The Constitution and its preamble frame a conception of history that is fundamentally impoverished. And I mean specifically when I say that, when you look at this opening section, which is really this attempt to both narrate history and, as you say, found a new order, we have recourse to these very strange and moderate ways of framing which relate to, quote, the past, or, quote, the so-called, quote, injustices of the past. And these are left very open to interpretation in such a way that virtually anyone's interpretation of what, quote, the past might mean can be imposed on the Constitution, including those who view the past as, you know, a, a battle of equally just motives and principles. And so the failure to name, it seems to me, the failure to name apartheid or colonialism, as you have written, seems to be a fundamental shortcoming of the preamble, which then haunts not only the constitution, but the society, because this, there is no sense in which this preamble is actually antithetical to the injustices it purports to confront. And so it seems to me that one of the fundamental shortcomings of the preamble that, that we haven't grappled sufficiently with is this ambiguous framing of history created in those opening few lines, which elide certain key historical facts of the South African situation. No, it's not, it's not, it's not a shortcoming, you know, it's a, it's a deliberate move, it's a deliberate gesture to elide the true history of this country. You know, if you read the constitution from start to finish, the word apartheid does not appear anywhere. The word apartheid, my goodness, the word colonialism, let alone, does not appear. So, look, my child is one year old now. In 10 years' time, my child will be able to read. He will pick up this document and he go to the preamble. He will not understand what is this document in a sense of what is he trying to achieve? What injustices have been spoken about of here? Is it gender injustice? Is it class struggles? Is it homophobia? Is it xenophobia? Is it injustices relating to workers and the bosses? What injustice are we referring to here? He'll be so lost. But that is the point, as you say, the ambiguity is not just the idea that we know of legal indeterminacy. This is a deliberate move to both elide the true history of this country, but also in reality is really to pander to the fears of a certain group in society. The Africaners will say, this is talking about our struggles with the English. The English will say this relates to how we are treated after 1948. Uh, the, the, some people will talk about the, you know, what happened when the Zulu Kingdom was expanding, you know, uh, during the uh, Fekani. Uh, a constitution is supposed to perform two purposes. It's supposed to tell us exactly why it is there. Why, is, why do we need a constitution? 
Therefore, what are you trying to fix? Why do you have a new constitution? What are you trying to fix? So naming clearly the, the, the problem is very, very important. And then secondly, looking forward. Therefore, how do we prevent this from happening? The preamble doesn't tell you what is a problem. It doesn't tell you how do we prevent that from happening at all, right? Injustices of the past, as you say, the idea of a moral equivalence between the oppressed and the oppressor. You know, certain moral equivalence, there was injustices, now we are coming together. That's number one. Number two, the idea that, you know, uh, there is a past. So let's come to that, the idea that there is a past. It's a constitution, therefore, that is based on a certain architecture of time, a certain idea of temporality based on Western modernity. And of course, as we know, in Western modernity, time was from A to B. It's linear, linear conception of time. There is a past, there's a present, there's a future, a linear concept. In African cosmology, of course, we know that time is cyclical. Time moves in waves. That's why when people tell stories in African uh, culture, they jump up and down. He starts here, and then he goes there, you know, up and down. So in Western cosmology, time is linear. In African society, time is cyclical. It goes in waves, coming back and forth. Now, this is not just a philosophical question. The idea that the Constitution talks about a past, and therefore is embedded in Western modernity and its architecture of time. It also says that those of us who live in multiple time or temporalities, meaning a Western architecture of time, linear, linearity, but also an African you know, uh, uh, understanding of time, we are excluded. We don't exist. But politically, that's a philosophical question, but politically, it means that those of us who say the past is in the present, we are told that actually you are mad. We are told, no, you are mad. The past is in the past. Whatever has happened, we are trying to rectify that. No, the past is in the present. The conflict is intergenerational. The harm is intergenerational. And therefore, the Constitution is lying. So you see, just that lie, one, injustices, without naming the nature of the injustices, and then two, the idea of a past, you are already creating a problem here. You are already saying those of us who say the past is in the present, those of us who want to use words like colonialism, apartheid, this constitution is not for us. So it's not, it's not a shortcoming, it's not an uh, oversight, it's a deliberate move to elide the problem so that those who were ahead in the past, will come out ahead in the future. Well, a number of things that you say there, I think need further reflection. Firstly, I'm, I'm completely just bowled over by this, this realization, which, which becomes so obvious later, but th that the word apartheid is not even mentioned in, in the constitution. And I think that alone, let alone the preamble, says so much about what is and is not being elided. You know, in this you know, opening section, which again, I just wanna keep our focus on, it's also fascinating to me that 
because of because of these ambiguities and because of this move to frame a certain kind of temporality and to create certain political ruptures within this temporality or impose a rupture within a linear conception of South African historical time. We also see the development and the emergence of a very limited conception of justice. And you can immediately see the link between the, the ambiguity in the so-called injustice of injustices of the past, which, by the way, only need to be recognized. We haven't even said that we're actually going to destroy, you know, the vestiges or, or we're just recognizing them. Well, it's very difficult to form a truly liberatory conception of justice out of such an ambiguous casting of the historical narrative. And so what we then see is that especially in the preamble, any reference to justice, and I think this dogs the rest of the, of the Constitution as well, which, by the way, funnily enough, also doesn't mention justice much, apart from, apart from questions of narrow legal justice as in the administration of justice. But it's, you know, dignity, equality, and freedom become founding and key values mentioned throughout, but justice as, as an actual philosophical concept is very underdeveloped in the in the document and in the preamble we see the seeds of this because you've got an intensely backward looking conception of justice which emerges because after we recognize the injustices of the past so again backward looking we're looking back at injustice we are then told that we should honor those who suffer for justice and freedom and that's pretty much it really you know, all we get after that is this, in later parts of the Constitution, this, and, and, and once in the preamble, is this idea of social justice, which is the only really forward-looking conception of justice that we get. And it's not clear to me, number one, what these injustices of the past are, but also what social justice is, in comparison to justice, or in comparison to economic justice, or in comparison to gender-related justice or racial justice, I thought justice was social in its very nature anyway. It's hard to think of justice outside of a social context. Why this disclaimer in front of justice, social justice, as if to dilute justice in and of itself, and to constrain it within quite a narrow boundary within the preamble's conception of the past, the present, and the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, so you're quite right. I mean, it, it, it's a, the preamble is a backward-looking uh, uh, paragraph, you know, focusing on the divisions of the past, the injustices of the past. And of course, to solve those injustices, you heal the divisions. We're not even talking here about distribution. We're not even here talking about, you know, uh, what people today are calling radical economic transformation. But you simply heal the divisions of the past. To what end? But you are, you are forced into a healing narrative, into a forgiveness narrative. But a narrative that says, we have a problem, 
in order for us to have a united society, we have to dismantle this society. So that's what it leads you to a very impoverished idea of social justice. You can't achieve social justice in an undecolonized society. If you don't decolonize, but you have a social justice framework, it leads to assimilation. It leads to false consciousness. Because it's simply about giving black people water, electricity, and food, social economic rights. Basic services here and there, please don't evict these people when they live in the sheds. Please give them some water. That's it. So that's social justice in South Africa. That's what all of us are doing in the social justice sector, right? Defending the right of people to, you know, plant sheds where they want. Demanding social goods from who? From the states, not from other individuals. So no horizontal application. But of course, that's what it leads you to. If you don't have a conception of the injustices. But if the constitution was very clear that the main injustices were apartheid and, and colonialism, that forces you into an idea of distributive justice or even corrective justice. Either distributive justice or corrective justice. Not even talking about you know, big terms like you know, redistribution here, but distributive justice and corrective justice because why? Your constitution, your preamble is bifocal. It's both backwards looking and forward looking. But if your constitution is only about an obsession with healing the divisions of the past and then social justice, it leads to a weird phenomenon in South Africa. You, won't, you don't find it anywhere else in the world. A phenomenon where you think you can achieve social justice without some people losing something, living in the shadow of conquest and ongoing colonization, but there's no losing uh, from the other side. It's very, very weird, right? That people survive on social grants, that's it. If you take away social grants, people will starve to death. So you heal, meaning that you don't antagonize, don't raise uh, difficult questions. Let's move forward. The other thing that people don't realize is that the Constitution is adopted in 1996. 1996 is a very key moment in South Africa, uh, and one has to write a book about this, because three things happen at the same time. One, the adoption of this Constitution, but it goes together with two other phenomena. phenomena. One, the TRC starts, the Truth and Reconstruction Commission, starts in 1996. Two, the growth and employment and redistribution document is adopted in 1996. Yeah. One, an obsession to heal. Two, an obsession to economically liberalize society. The constitution does not, it's not adopted in a vacuum. It's adopted within that wider framework. That's how we should situate this, uh, this, this, this preamble, you know, uh, that we talk about the injustices of the past, Maybe we're not talking about, you know, economic impoverishment and economic underdevelopment. Maybe we're talking about what? About that races did not get along. And therefore we need to just heal these divisions and move on. The past is in the past. Heal, you move on. You know, uh, as uh, per Desmond Tutu's book, no future without forgiveness. So you forgive, you'll have a future. No future without forgiveness. Entertain begging. The idea that if you don't forgive, you'll be stuck in the past. You'll be stuck in the past. And the past is about 
those who need to forgive. If you don't forgive, you'll be stuck in the past. So really, the idea of social justice is very, very important. People always wonder, 25 years or whatever after the Constitution, I've stopped counting because I don't care, you know. 25 years, whatever, after the adoption of the Constitution, people are still poor. We go to court, we win cases all the time. We win cases, we celebrate. NGOs are formed every day, social justice NGO, every day. A vibrant media, but people are poorer than they were during apartheid. Why is that? Look at the preamble of the Constitution. Did you seek to achieve this? Did you seek to achieve redistribution? No. Did you seek to achieve creative justice? No. So really, that is where the rotten foundation was laid. The rotten foundation, the preamble builds a rotten foundation. And on top of that, you graft a progressive constitution, chapter two, which is very progressive. But on a rotten foundation, you have no chance. Well, I think there's, there's so much to unpack there and Hopefully we'll be able to do more unpacking because I think we've we've opened a can of worms here. Um, but for our purposes, I'd just like to end by reflecting on some of what you've said because I think there's there's so much richness there that we haven't even yet mined. The first being this idea of the of the bifocal nature of justice and and how the constitution seems to adopt this unifocal predisposition and, and how that links always and everywhere to the very society that we, we have here. And I find it strange that people who defend the Constitution or who even take a constitutional triumphalist position love to blame everything else but the Constitution for the country's problems, as if the Constitution itself is somehow only useful when things go right and can never be questioned when, when things go wrong. So I think this notion of bifocality is one to certainly meditate further on. The second thing, I think, is the way that this preamble almost medicalizes the problems of South Africa's injustices and in such a way externalizes them outside the realm of human agency. And I think the TRC does the same thing with the, with the reconciliation narrative and the healing narrative. And so healing becomes the subject rather than the agencies which caused the injustice. And so the society is called upon to engage in this kind of medical metamorphosis, which is again a way of eliding the actual historical processes which have rooted all the various multi multifarious forms of injustice which exist in the society. So... I think this key, uh, yeah. And by the way, it's called it's called it's called the it's called the TRC. It's not called the TRJC. Mm, 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 the J mm. is missing. You know, right. it's not justice in this truth and reconciliation. I mean, there are commissions, you know, uh, in other parts of the world where the J is present. For us, you tell the truth, you reconcile, everything is fine. The J is missing. So indeed, the J is missing in 1996 in Gear, the TRC, and the preamble which is, and again, I think this historical analysis of that year is key. That's right, that's right, that's right. Well, uh, Professor Madlingozi, Tsepo, let's leave it at that for now, but thank you so much for sharing your insights, expanding on some of your work, dealing with the South African constitution, and picking apart 
the preamble with me today in this dialogue. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this class. Too short, but thank you. I did enjoy it. Thank you so much.